We are in a series of studies on what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We're also going to read a couple of verses from Mark chapter 11. And if you want to open your Bible or your Bible app to just one place, I would suggest Matthew 18. In Luke chapter 11, one of Jesus' disciples comes to him and says, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, pray this way. In Matthew chapter 6, he gives us a more complete version, if you will, of what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he doesn't say, pray these words. He says, pray after this manner. Or this is the pattern for your prayer. And last week we began the section of the Lord's Prayer that has to do with our dependence on God. And we prayed, give us this day our daily bread. Today we come to one of the most challenging parts of this prayer. <coughs> forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What makes this more challenging, and I hope you're praying for me and you today, <laughs> that I'll say it clearly and you'll hear it clearly. Because in verse 14 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, that makes it incredibly important. Our receiving forgiveness from God is contingent on our forgiving others couple of quotes from other people that I want to give you that may help you with this. If you don't, God won't because you are incapable of receiving his forgiveness. As long as there's an unforgiving spirit within you, you're not able to receive God's forgiveness. Another person put it this way, if you refuse to forgive others, you are burning the bridge over which you must walk to gain God's forgiveness. Now, before we go any further, just kind of as a sideline, because many of us grew up praying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and this is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, what's it supposed to be? Well, it depends on which translation you use. Um, the word debt and debtor obviously means something that's owed, but it could also mean a moral transgression. But when Jesus expands on this in verses 14 and 15, he uses the word trespass. And that means either an unintentional error or a deliberate transgression. And, and what I think a helpful definition of trespass is crossing the line. Have you ever had somebody cross the line with you? <laughs> Have you ever thought to yourself, they're just about to cross that line? Well, that's a trespass. And so in Luke chapter 11, in that version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, forgive us our sins, which is the word to miss the mark. So however you grew up praying it, debts or trespasses, um, in my opinion, and it's just an opinion, since debt in our society, it conjures up either I owe you money or you did something nice for me and now I owe you one and I'm in your debt. I think it's 
a more effective word in our understanding to use the word trespass because that recognizes I've done something wrong. And that's what the prayer is. Forgive me my missing the mark as I forgive others for missing the mark. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus makes it even tougher. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespass. Oh, so this is a lesson we need to kind of tune into and focus in on. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and immediately our response was i don't know if i can do that (laughs) so hopefully by the end of our time together we'll have some more help with that when we're praying this part of the prayer forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us we are acknowledging that god has forgiven us and we need to extend that forgiveness to others Now please, please do not think by anything I say this morning that I am telling you that forgiveness is easy. It is not. Forgiving someone can be the hardest thing you do in your life. Most of us would rather live by the slogan, don't get mad, get even. You know, don't you wish the Bible said that? (laughs) But we need to talk about forgiveness and if we are going to appropriately understand this we need first of all to understand what forgiveness is not if you don't understand what forgiveness is not you'll never really be able to forgive people because forgiveness is often misrepresented Forgiveness is not this old Irish prayer. May those who love us, love us. And those who do not love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he cannot turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles, so we will know them by their limping. (laughs) And that's not forgiveness. And by the way, how many times have you heard forgive and forget? That's not in the Bible either. Because let's think about that. If you have been in a situation where you have been done harm by someone and you just forget it, you will be more apt to put yourself in the position where it will happen to you again. If you don't remember the past, you're often set up to make the same mistakes again. You can't break destructive cycles if you don't remember what got you in them to start with. And when 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs, what the idea is there is that love does not keep bringing it up. (laughs) You know, some 
couples have this experience. I, I heard somebody talk about it. One of you mess up, I'm sorry, and the other spouse, I'll oh, just forget about it. And a few weeks later, you do something wrong, and you say, I'm sorry, and I'll just forget about it. Oh, I'm sorry, just forget about it. And six months later, you do something wrong, and what you hear is, yeah, well, I remember this and this and this and this. He said, I thought we forgot about it. You know, you, know you, you just can't forget about it, but you don't keep bringing it up. Forgiveness is not shock therapy. Forgiveness is not some kind of a mental lobotomy. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness, especially right away. If you've been hurt deeply, you're going to remember that. Don't let anybody tell you, well, if you can remember it, you've not forgiven them. Not so. Nor is forgiveness a lack of fear that it might happen again. If you've got burned badly in a situation, you're going to have a natural, self-protective, it's like, I, I don't want this to happen again. That does not mean you've not forgiven the person. It means that you're human and it takes a while to heal. So please understand that. And please understand this. Forgiveness is not the same as restoration. If you've got a dear, close friend. You know, there was a movie out of several years ago, um, and I really identified with one of the scenes where the, the father talked about there's a circle of trust. And once you break that circle of trust, you're not going to be able to get back in it. And every once in a while, I'll say something about that. Yeah, well, they're, they're risking the circle of trust, you know. And if you've had somebody in your circle of trust and they betrayed you deeply, you can forgive them. But that does not mean that you let them back into the circle of trust. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? Forgiveness is not the same as restoration. Sometimes, over a period of time, that relationship can be restored to that level, but usually not right away. And let me just speak, you know, we know that a lot of people outside of this room watch and listen, so let me just, in case you're in a position of leadership or in a church situation or a Christian organization situation, I, I, I just felt like I needed to say this. Forgiveness is not the same as restoration. If an organization finds out that they have a pedophile working in their children's ministry, well, the first thing you do is you report it to the appropriate authorities. And once that person has faced their trial and has gone to prison and has done their time and has expressed genuine repentance and ask for forgiveness, you can forgive that person. But for crying out loud, don't put them back in the children's ministry. Well, we've forgiven them, so you won't. No, forgiveness is not the same as restoration. You just put that aside in case you're ever in a situation where you have to make that kind of a decision. Forgiveness is not the same as restoration. But a lot of times what we do when we say we forgive is, is we go through a process of denial that it ever happened. Oh, I, I was, that was nothing. I wasn't hurt by that, you know, liar. <laughs> you know, it, it's, forgiveness is not denying that you were hurt. That's a fantasy. 
Sometimes Christians will wear forgiveness as this badge of super spirituality. Let me tell you what they did to me, but I forgave them. You know, look at me. I forgave them. That's not forgiveness. That's saintly revenge, you know. And sometimes people try to repress the feeling. I, I, it was nothing. Well, yeah, it was. That's why you can't sleep at night, because it was something. Or you try to isolate it, or you try to deny it. Those are just mental tricks that usually don't work. So forgiveness is not forgetting. But it is choosing to not actively remember. And we're going to bring come back to that in a few minutes. David Augsburger, uh, who I had never heard of, sorry if you're watching, wrote two books that really helped me in this area. And, and I could not put my hand on that book this week, but I'm sure that a lot of this material was at least influenced by him. But he wrote two books. I had it in one volume. One of the books is called Caring Enough to Forgive. The other book is called Caring Enough Not to Forgive. And he, he goes into, it's, it's a fascinating couple of books if you're interested in more reading in this area. But he defines forgiveness as the mutual recognition that repentance is genuine and that right relationships are now achieved. In other words, I have asked for forgiveness legitimately, you have forgiven me legitimately, and we're working on restoring the relationship. That's forgiveness. Now, if I'm going to be forgiven, I've got to recognize, first of all, that I did something wrong, right? <laughs> have you ever told somebody you were sorry because what you really wanted to do was them to say they were sorry? And they didn't say they were sorry? <laughs> and then depending on your level of maturity, you might have said, well, if you're not sorry, then I'm not sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> if you're going to forgive, there's got to be a recognition I did something wrong and I need to be forgiven. There needs to be repentance. Repentance is a biblical term that means a change of mind that results in a change of behavior. It's very significant that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist said, bring forth fruit that demonstrates repentance. You know, if you're truly repentant, you won't keep doing it over and over again. And so we have to be willing to work at reestablishing a relationship when there has been true repentance. As somebody has said, bury the hatchet, but not in their back. And when you bury it, don't put a marker over it so you'll know where it is in case you need it again. You know, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness really comes down to this. It's a matter of the will, not emotion. It's I'm going to forgive, not I feel like forgiving, but because God says I must forgive, I will forgive. There are some people that you should not approach in this area. There are some people who have offended you, and you know, Jesus says if, in one position, he, he says, if you pray and you remember somebody has something against you, you should go to them. Well, there's some people when you study the book of Proverbs, that you shouldn't go to. There are people who have offended you on purpose. 
<laughs> and they don't care that they've offended you. They intended to offend you. And if you try to go to them and say, we need to make this right, you're going to really get in worse shape than you were, which is what Solomon calls in Proverbs a scorner or a mocker. And he says, if you correct a mocker, you invite insult. And if you rebuke a wicked person, you incur abuse. And then he says, don't rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. So sometimes you will run into people who they have no interest in being reconciled. They just want to keep turning the knife. And Solomon says, just stay away from them. Forgive them from a distance, if you will. So let's talk about how you forgive those people who have crossed the line. When you pray, forgive us our trespasses. How do you practice daily forgiveness? I'm going to give you the bottom line, and then I'm going to come back to it. The bottom line is release them and release the situation to God. Don't keep hanging on to it. That's where we're going to come back to as we wrap up. In my study, I've come up from a couple of different people with a couple of different ideas that I think may be helpful to you on practicing daily forgiveness. Forgive as we forgive. First, don't dwell on it. You do realize that you can control your thoughts. As the old saying goes, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And there will be times when that situation will come back to your mind. If we're not careful, what we do then is wallow in it. We dwell on it. And, and we relive the whole situation. Ever found yourself doing that? Just reliving. I said this, and then they said this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and you you just, you're dwelling on it, and you sink deeper and deeper and deeper into despair, and if you're not careful, a spirit of unforgiveness and bitterness toward that person will come back up. So don't dwell on it. Control your thoughts. Again, not easy. <laughs> I want to remind you again, I promised you, I don't think this is easy. I know it's not. But if Jesus said, if I don't forgive, I can't be forgiven, then I need to learn how to forgive. And I need to do it as an act of my will, as a choice, that I'm not going to keep dwelling on it. You have probably learned how to distract yourself. And if you find yourself in a situation where all of a sudden that thing comes back into your mind and the devil is excellent, about bringing up past hurts and past you know situations and as soon as that thing comes up you need to find a way to distract yourself and by the way you don't distract yourself by saying I'm not gonna think about this I'm not gonna think about this I'm not gonna think about this any more than standing at the bakery saying I'm not gonna buy it I'm not gonna buy it I'm not gonna buy it how much for two you know it, you, you've got to distract yourself whatever you do to distract yourself get in the word Turn on a funny sitcom, something that distracts your mind so you don't allow yourself to get back into that groove of just dwelling on those past hurts. Corollary to that is don't keep raising the issue again. You ever been hurt by somebody and 
two or three years later, you're in a discussion with somebody else, and they talk about that person. Oh, man, what a good person that is. And didn't you have to bite your tongue to not say, well, let me tell you, <laughs> three years ago, what that person did to me. No, you, you don't keep bringing it up. Let me clarify that. You don't keep bringing it up with the motivation of either A, hurting them, or B, making you look better. I say that to tell you this. Forgiving somebody and not bringing it up again does not mean that you lie when somebody asks you for a reference. If you know somebody was an embezzler, you can forgive them, but if a bank calls you for a reference, you know, you got you, you guys, oh, I just forgave him, I don't know, you know, so please be clear about this. There's a lot of things that we Christians think are forgiveness that is, is not forgiveness. So I want to clarify that. And you and your conscience and God work through how much you should say if you're asked for a reference in that kind of a situation. If you're going to practice daily forgiveness, follow Romans 12, 20 and 21, which says to demonstrate God's love and concern for that person. Paul says, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you'll keep coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Donna calls this the apple pie principle. I remember there was a time one of our kids came home from school and somebody had offended them desperately and, and Donna said, well, let's, let's make them an apple pie and send it to them. Our, our kids didn't really buy into that, you know, but, but Paul says, do good to your enemies. That'll help you forgive if you're forcing yourself to do good to them. Show them God's love, show them God's concern. And then when that situation comes back up in your memory, don't curse it. So many times they say, I wish that had never happened. And I understand that. But if we do believe that God works everything for our good, then even those hurts from our past, God can turn those scars into stars. Because somebody put it this way, God has a way of sending holy sandpaper into our lives to knock off the rough edges. Now, I'm not going to be nice now for the next few seconds. But sometimes we get offended because we're too sensitive. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we're, too fin too, we're offended too easily. And, and sometimes we just need to grow up a little bit, right? But don't curse it. Don't, don't look back over those things and say, oh, that was a terrible thing. Say, God, you promised to turn everything for my good. Don't rehearse it. That's what I kept talking about. Don't keep dwelling on it. And again, I'll, I'll repeat myself, and I know I'm repeating myself. But the temptation is you dwell on that hurt. You dwell on that event. I know people that have never gotten past something that happened to them 10, 20 years ago. And they are stunted emotionally and spiritually because they've never 
gotten past it, they keep rehearsing it. You can't talk to them for 15 minutes without it coming back up. Well, 20 years ago, he did this to me. 20 years ago, she did this to me. And it just keeps coming up and coming up. You're never going to get, you're never going to be able to forgive as long as you keep dwelling on it. Leading from that is don't nurse it. That is, don't let it become a grudge. Sometimes we dwell on things and then sometimes we feed it and it grows. And it takes on a life of its own, and it becomes this monster that's in control of us, whether rather than us being in control of it. Don't hold a grudge. Going back to where I told you the bottom line was, let it go. Release them. Release the situation to God. That's dispersing it. Say, okay, God, i got to send it out to you. You've got to deal with this. I've got to release this person to you. I can't handle it. I've got to give it to you and then watch him reverse it and turn the evil into good. And the thing that they intended, remember Joseph to his brothers, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. There will be lessons that you will be able to learn from those past hurts if you'll allow God to reverse it. Stomi Armardian said, forgiveness does not make the other person right, it makes you free. And that's the goal, to be free. Now, I, I didn't feel like I could appropriately address this topic without going to Matthew chapter 18. Kind of a familiar passage, at least the 70 times 7 part. Matthew chapter 18. And we'll pick up the story in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. The NIV says 77 times. The King James says 70 times seven. I, I vote for 77. That's better than 490, right? <laughs> and some of you are keeping track. And they're at 482, <laughs> and they're about done. But the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he had that man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, appropriately so, and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that first servant back in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy 
on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tormented until he should pay back what he owed. And then Jesus sets this. He goes there. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is serious business. What's the point of this story? The point is this. Jesus forgave us a debt that we could never hope to pay. He died on the cross so we could be forgiven of our sins. And we could never be forgiven of our sins any other way. We could not earn it. We could not purchase it. We could not bribe it or influence it. The only way we could be forgiven of our sin debt and an eternity in hell is because Jesus died on the cross to forgive us. Therefore, since that is the greatest debt to ever be canceled, therefore, whatever anybody else does to us, we're to forgive them. Because the worst they can do to us is nothing compared to our sin against God. And he's forgiven us. And if he forgives me my sin, then I ought to be able to forget them, forgive them for hurting my feelings. But something that caught my attention is it says that this first servant was handed over, I think the King James says, to the tormentors. I'm going to sit here for a minute. I think you may be able to identify with this. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you know what it's like to be tormented. When you calm your mind as you're trying to get ready to go to sleep, that person comes back up. That hurt comes back up and you toss, and you turn, and you can't sleep because you're tormented by what they did to you. You're out at a restaurant having a lovely evening, having a wonderful meal, and somebody at the next table mentions their name in conversation, and all of a sudden, your stomach is in knots, you've lost your appetite, you think you're gonna throw up, and your day is ruined because unforgiveness brings torment. When you're invited to an event, you think through, are they going to be there? Is there any chance I'm going to run into them? And you feel your whole body tightening up. You feel your blood pressure going through the roof. You feel your stress level going through the roof because unforgiveness has torment to it. But here's the thing that's so unfair about that. They don't know a bit about that. They're having a good time. <laughs> They've ruined your life and you're still letting them ruin your life and they haven't thought about you in 20 years. 
They don't even know if you're still alive or not. They're going on their merry little way. Meanwhile, you're tormented by what they did to you 20 years ago because you keep bringing it up and you keep dwelling on it and you rehearse it and you're holding a grudge and you're tormented by something that happened decades ago that they've forgotten all about. They haven't lost a minute's sleep thinking about you and you're still allowing them to rule your life? Why would we do that? Let it go. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. Well, <laughs> no, but you got to let it go. Again, it's not forgive and forget, but it's don't keep nursing it and don't keep rehearsing it and don't keep wallowing in it. Let it go. Somebody used this illustration that, that I identified with. It says, too often somebody that's hurt us, we, we have them in like a cage deep down in our psyche. And every once in a while we open the cage door and we take them out and we beat them up a little bit. And we say all those things to them in our mind that we wish we could have said to them. And we beat them up a little bit and then we throw them back in the cage. Until the next time we're mad and we pull them out again and beat them up again more. Forgiveness is opening the door to that cage and letting them go. Forgiveness is saying, God, I'm going to release this to you. We talked about dispersing it to God. God, I'm going to give it to you. I can't get over this situation by myself. I was hurt. It was legitimate hurt. It wasn't nothing. But I've got to get past it. And I've got to forgive them. I have got to decide to let them and the situation go. I'm going to release it to you. I'm going to need your help to forgive them as you forgive me. And by the way, aren't you glad God doesn't keep bringing up your past? <laughs> Say, well, I keep remembering it. Yeah, well, that's what the devil's doing. God doesn't keep bringing up your past. Every day as you pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You are setting your will to say, God, I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to hold on to things. I'm going to forgive. And by the way, pretty much every day, somebody's going to cross the line with you and you're going to be able to put this into practice. Many, many years ago, I was on my way to church to preach a sermon similar to this one on forgiveness. And I had stopped by the Golden Arches for breakfast. And there were some people in front of me in line. Remember, I'm on my way to preach about forgiveness. Setting your will that you will not be offended. You will let it go. People in front of me in line apparently had never eaten out before, had apparently never been in McDonald's before. What comes with this? What comes with that? How much is this? I've got this coupon. Is it any good? I'm in the back of the line just stewing. Get out of the line until you figure out what's going on. I've got the whole menu memorized. You get out of the line. I know what I want. And God said, <laughs> forgive. When they cross the line, forgive them. I told you a couple weeks ago, it's not fair when God preaches my sermons to me. 
but it was just it was an object lesson it's easy to say harder to live but when we pray this part of the prayer we're saying God I am setting my will I am making a decision that if somebody offends me today I'm not going to hang on to it I'm not going to keep bringing it up I'm not going to you know hold it to myself I'm going to let it go or if you prefer the song shake it off you know I got I either got to shake it off or I got to let it go but I got to give it to God don't let sin have the last word don't let torment over unforgiveness have the last word I want to say one more thing and maybe this is the whole purpose of this lesson Sometimes the person in the cage is me. Is it ever you? You know God's forgiven you. You know the person has forgiven you. But you can't forgive yourself. And you keep yourself in that cage. And when you're feeling down, you pull yourself out of that cage. And you talk to yourself like you would never talk to anybody else. You talk more viciously, more harshly to yourself and about yourself than you ever would to anybody else. I can't believe I was so stupid. I can't believe I did it again. How dumb can you be? Don't you ever do anything right? What's wrong with you? And you keep yourself in that cage. God's forgiven you. The person has forgiven you. But you can't seem to forgive yourself. May I please, as kindly as I know how, say to you, and I know this is not easy, but stop beating yourself up. Learn from it, but stop dwelling on it. Stop bringing it up to punish yourself. Some of us are wired up that way. I, don't, I haven't taken a survey, but I think a lot of people are wired up that way. You do something wrong. It may not, not, I'm not talking about sinful. You just do something stupid. And all of a sudden, every stupid thing you've done in your life comes back up. And you bang on yourself and you harangue yourself. You've got to let it go. You've got to set yourself free. And forgive yourself. In a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that we'll be able to open the cage and set people free. And if you're a person that likes to do, you know, motions, you might want to start the prayer with your hands cupped together like a cage, like you're holding somebody in that, and then open those hands and let them go. It's not magic, okay? It doesn't mean you're going to walk out of here and never, ever remember it again. But hopefully, you've gotten some tools today that will help you. When that thought comes back, don't dwell on it. Distract yourself. Get involved in something else. Don't let yourself dwell on those past hurts. And maybe it's you in the cage that you need to let go.
Let's pray. Father, I am so aware of how hard this area is. If it were easy, you wouldn't have probably even had to ever say anything about forgiveness. But it's not easy. And Lord, some of us have people in a cage. And this morning we're just saying, God, with your help, I'll set them free. With your help, I'll move on. And Lord, we need your help. We desperately cry out for your strength to be able to do that. That when those memories come up, our human tendency is to just wallow in them. But Lord, you want us to just move on. To not keep dwelling on it. To not keep bringing it up. And Lord, for those of us who have ourselves in the cage, and we still haven't forgiven ourselves about something that happened 20 years ago. Lord, help us to set ourselves free. You have forgiven us. Help us to forgive us. Lord, I just pray, I, because I know this area is a tormenting one. And so I just pray that through this day, you would allow us to open up those cages and let situations out, let people out, let them go free. Not forgetting that it ever happened, not opening ourselves up to the same hurt again, but letting them go and forgiving them as you have forgiven us. Give us the supernatural power of your spirit to enable us to do it, I pray. And then give us the discipline that when those things come back up, and I have an idea, knowing the way the devil works, that he's going to bring it up a lot today. But I pray you would help us to let it go. To not keep nursing it, to not keep rehearsing it, but to say, God, I've let them go. Help me to keep my mind focused on how much you have forgiven me. And we thank you for that. Where would we be? without your forgiveness. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us today. You're dismissed.